Welcome to Behind the Spotlight, a different kind of podcast where we have real, deep conversations with entrepreneurs and celebrity visionaries who are making their potential possible. They are certainly ahead of their time and worthy of yours. So listen as I take your favorite entrepreneurs off a pedestal and onto a bar stool right next to you. In life, it all comes down to building powerful, long-lasting relationships in a thoughtful, authentic way. You know, we all see that highlight reel of successful entrepreneurs, but I want to take you behind the spotlight and show you who they were before they figured it all out. Let's explore the sometimes torturous, but always interesting paths their lives have taken. So I'm Beth, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a magnetic business mentor. I help entrepreneurs to strategically prepare their business and gain exposure through collaboration and media so they can make their mark on the world. I'm a huge believer in the power of potential to catapult your life forward. So join me as we explore stories of some of our favorite people leveraging their past to make their potential possible on Behind the Spotlight. Carmelia, thank you so much for coming on Behind the Spotlight. I am so excited to speak with you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I, because I think what what you do is so exciting. You know, I I've been married a long time, so I live vicariously through your social media posts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I hear that a lot from married people. <laughs> well, because it's very exciting, you know. And I think that you know one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because I wanted to learn a little bit more about you. Because I know you have three kids of varying ages, especially <laughs> a little one, and we're the same age. And my thoughts about having a little kid is great for about it. Like I'll borrow yours and give it back. But she's four, right? <laughs> she is four wow. and she is taught, she's in school, her first year of kindergarten. Um, and yeah, she's a handful. <laughs> well, what she's was it a- like having a, a baby? So, you know, after cause your kids are what, 21 and six, like you have teenagers and yeah, mother- teens. I have an adult. I had to, by the yeah. end of the year, my two older kids will be 22 and 16 respectively. Wow. Um, you know, so technically speaking, I, I'm free. I would have been free as a, as a <laughs> to a degree because yes. my son now first like ha- has a girlfriend, his first girlfriend. Aww. My daughter's pretty independent, although she lives at home. Um, I'm hoping she'll fly the coop soon. Not because I don't <laughs> love her, but I had independence at such an, a young age. And it really taught me so much about, you know, resiliency and being on my own and, and hard work because I had to make a living at a young, like as a young adult where my toddler, uh, she's actually, I think she's not a toddler anymore. She's a little girl. My little one is you know, she, she takes up a lot of, of time when I'm, uh, you know, at home and I'm working with clients. I don't have your typical nine to five. I almost feel like I run a 24 seven business, but I'm a little bit of a workaholic really. <laughs> but when she's, you know, the beautiful thing about the pandemic and having a little one is that there's so much grace. I, uh, and people understand mm-hmm. that, especially moms with kids, people don't know how old I am. So the fact that I have a four-year-old is no big deal, but when they learn or somehow learn that, you know, I have a 21-year-old and a four-year-old, then it's like, whoa, I'm all of a sudden a superwoman. 
And I'm not, I have a great support system. I have a great partner that really picks up, you know, uh, the, the childcare and the parenting role. As an example, Beth, I'm, I've been in an, a whole, um, a city uh, condo away from home for three days. I or locked myself because I need to shoot video and content. Right. So mm-hmm. my partner is taking care of the little one, but you know, he can come here anytime. And we, we, we plan those things out. So I, I really have to say that, um, you know, I'm able to do what I do because I do have a great support system. And you establish that for yourself, but, and that's, you know, that's a, a contention to back to what you're talking about. Like you had to be on your own at an early age. So, um, Yes. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. I know you went to school. I believe you went to York. Yeah, I, I, I didn't complete a degree. I did take some courses. But when I when I applied for a job at a match, back then it was called a dating service, right? Dating company mm-hmm. it was called Together Dating. Um, this was in 1992. Um, I applied for a job in a call center. So Beth, this is before Facebook, Match.com. <laughs> yeah social media yeah before I media this is like before i don't even, i don't think i had a phone yet in that in 1990 oh, no. all yeah, we right? had was a phone i don't think we yeah. had dial-up we, we yeah. didn't have internet like we didn't right. have internet well what so made I'm you gonna... want to apply to that to being a dating say that again a, what what made you apply to be at that call center was it what about that oh, interested it's you because, at um it's because an ex-boyfriend I uh, was working there and, and we ran into each other and I don't know if he called me or they were hiring because back then, like they hired, I was a telemarketer. Okay. They hired telemarketers in the, like, like a whole room because a, a bunch of them would leave. It was like a revolving door when you worked at a call center. Cause it's not for everyone to sit in a room and pick up the phone and dial. And in addition, you're talking about relationships. So it was very much a sink swim uh, training protocol when I worked. And the, the beauty of it is I was, I'm a very social person. I'm a very inquisitive person. So this role was made for me. Yeah, and I would be like, what you, I get paid to talk to people about their love life. Like, really, this is the dream job. So, and I was, you know, 20, not 20 years old, uh, I think 1920 when I first started and, and I didn't really, I wasn't even qualified to talk about relationships. I hadn't really had any serious relationships. Most of the people that I was talking with were older, professional, mature, but my job was to have them come in for an interview and meet with a consultant or sales rep, so to speak. So really I was just getting to know people. And I got, and I, again, because I want to get behind what, where they're at, that there was a natural, you know, conversation and rapport that was built in where a lot of people tend to struggle. If they're just reading a script, mm-hmm. I did read the script, but I was really getting to know the other person. And in getting to know the other person, they felt like I really cared about who they were. And that translated to, sure, I'll come in for an appointment. No problem. You sound nice. Cause I represented the company and I, and then from there I went part-time to full-time to my numbers were just uh, record breaking and I, and I didn't have any experience. So 
to the point where when I cut my teeth on leads, as we call it in the sales world, you know, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, if you heard that coffee's for closers, you don't get certain <laughs> leads unless you're really good. So when I first started, they gave me all the people that looked questionable. We, we had uh, on the profile, people were able to say what they did for a living, their level of education, their income. So of course, all the managers and directors and top head honchos, they got to speak to the C-level people, people who made 100K plus. They threw me anybody that was less than 15K, that was young, that didn't look like, had all these fields blank. I didn't care because people were people. My goal was let's get them in the door. What do I need to do or say to build their trust so that they can come in? And I was close, like my people we're closing left, right, and center. And to the point where they're like, let me call those people that you're calling. You know, I, I what turned are you that doing? lemon. Yeah, exactly. I turned lemons into lemonade. And that was uh, a great experience for me. Really great experience. Well, it sounds like it really led into all of your natural abilities to connect with people and really be inquisitive. Is that is that like the success with that? Was that like, oh, I can do this? Or were you always interested in relationships? Um, you know, I was never, I was just, I'm just interested in people and, mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't know if that's paid gossip. Like, am I gossiping here? I'm <laughs> <laughs> not really. I mean, you know, if you are uh, inclined to solve problems and you really want to get to know people, you're going to ask certain questions. And one of the things that even to this day that I have to curb, I am just so naturally, you know, curious about people that immediately will go down a direction of a conversation and all of a sudden, you know, Pandora's box is open or all of a sudden they're saying things, you know, I've never shared this with anybody, but here you go. You know, last night I was with a group of a uh, very, very small group of my friends and like stories are being told, things I've never learned, know about people, as I'm sure, Beth, you're discovering about me and that I mm -hmm. discover about you. We're both mm -hmm. in a group. And, you know, as we get to know people, you know, we start to think, wow, like we really don't know people that well until you spend the time to like find out what makes them tick, you know, what are their goals and dreams? What are they looking for? There's nothing more intimate and challenging than speaking to somebody about what they need uh, in a partnership, a romantic partnership, what's lacking, the pain, the, the frustration, the highs, the lows. Relationships are never easy. And to that point, I'm a divorced uh, woman. Like I, I was married and I got divorced in 2007. So even though I'm a matchmaker and I've made a living matching people, I went through a very terrible divorce myself because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And sometimes we don't uh, end up with our perfect match. Right. So yeah, totally. And that, and that allows me to, to really relate to others. Uh, you know, I'm coming from a place of experience had my heart broken very first relationship of mine that was romantic was abusive um, and so I've been a, 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 a victim of domestic abuse and violence. Like I, I've really experienced so much. Oh, well, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, but I, I, 
I've, I've always found you really inspiring. And I think that that piece of your story is something that's inspiring because even though you went through that, you're still helping people and supporting people in having a healthy and whole relationship. And you can come from that piece of pain to really connect with other people. Yeah, I think in the absence of, I, I don't think I would be able to truly understand. And and although I've never lost a significant partner through, you know, death or what, when I speak to widows or I speak to parents who've lost children, you know, Beth, in 2003, after my daughter, my, my first daughter was born in, two, in 1998, I had a son born right after her who passed away at birth and he was mm. still born. So another, you know, very tragic part of my life. So when Chrissy Teigen had a miscarriage and the whole world was kind of sharing in that, like I, I could relate to that experience because I went through that. And, and if I'd never gone through that, you know, I, I can share in that pain with her. I think we can all share in tragedies, but there's a difference from sharing from a place of actual experience. Oh, yeah. And sharing from something that's theoretical or imagined or, you know, perceived. You, you just don't have a clue, right? Yeah, and that's honestly, that's the conversation I was having with my my friend is, you know, I was so moved by her story because it's sad and it's awful. And I'm so sorry you went through that, too. But honestly, my reaction was like, thank God I didn't have to go through that. Thank God I didn't have problems getting pregnant because I don't know if I'm strong enough to really be that resilient. And I know you are in something. And, you know, now I'm, I'm so much more a groupie now for you, too, because I'm getting to know you a little bit better. But like, I'd love you to talk a little bit about because I'm interested um, your resilience and how you come back from everything because your energy is so high and you, you know, you come off so polished, but I know that your heart is so deep. And I know that, that you, not only do you love what you do, but you really love hard. So I'd love for you to talk yeah. a little bit about that. Thank you. And you know, it, it's, it is true. And as, as polished as we look as professionals and given the fact that I've spent four years, more than four years in front of a camera, but having done a reality show, 60 episodes, literally waking up with cameras in your face, non-scripted, like that, that obviously you're going to gain a lot of confidence there. So I, I gained a lot of confidence there. However, you know, minus the makeup, minus the spotlight, when I'm, when I'm having my moments and I do have my moments. So I'm, I'm certainly very unpolished sometimes. I, how do I get over that? My mother is a very strong, you know, I was raised, she's a Catholic woman. She still is very devout Catholic woman, prays constantly. Like I'm in her prayers every day. Yeah. I'm a middle child for anyone who's listening mm -hmm. about middle children. Oh yeah, me too. I'm a classic middle child. So I definitely have been black sheep, troublemaker, ran away from home when I was 17, didn't follow the rules. My dad was super strict. So you couldn't tell me what to do. I still don't like being told what to do. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can be stubborn, but resiliency has, it, it depends on the, the situation, the moment. In 2010, I had a very, very difficult breakup from somebody I was madly in love with. And, you know, this was post-divorce. So when you go through a very difficult divorce, you, you have a whirlwind romance, you think you're in love again, that doesn't work out. 
I remember being like at my, I probably was clinically depressed for six months and never saw any help. I was in bed a lot. I was very unmotivated. My children were both very young. Thank God I had a nanny mm -hmm. to do the domestic stuff. Cause I think my, I think I'd be that bachelor with pizza boxes all over the place <laughs> and just house a mess. Cause I yep. was just so distra distraught. And I realized I put all of my value and who I thought like my, I should be based on this person's judgment. When you're so in love and you're so, you know, you're questioning your self-worth and someone that you love doesn't like you. I'm not sure if everyone's been there, if we've been there, this is, that was oh, not yeah. the only time I've been there, but I remember feeling so defeated calling my mother and my mom literally said, what, get up. What are you doing? You are amazing. You're this, you're that. Like, I don't know why you're dealing with this person. Who cares what they think? Like I needed support. And the worst thing that someone can do when they are suffering is to suffer in silence, right? And oh, yes. to be quiet about it and to not share because I think I was just so um, beside myself, distraught. I didn't want to tell anybody anything. So this is the big, strong me. I'll deal with my own problem, but it left me in a lot of isolation, you know? And so I would strongly advise to anybody that is going through something is to definitely, if you can, if you can afford and have access to professional help, that's the first step I would go. Because as much as my mom loves me and my brothers and my family, they're not professionals. And I, and, and I have subscribed to a lot of professional uh, therapists and hypnotherapists and all kinds of things in my growth of who I am and why I can be here today with you and talk about some really tragic things that happened in my life. I lost my father at the beginning of the year um, in the uh, beginning of the pandemic, which we all as a family yeah. think was quite a blessing. Uh, if he had gone, if he had to be sick in his final days with nobody being able to see him, oh. I got to feed him. Like my, my, we got to help him be with him, but we would never have been able to do that had he lived longer. So it was divinely timed. So that's great. But back to resilience, it's really just a matter of, positive affirmations, surrounding yourself with great people, get borrowing strength. When you don't have the strength, other people do. It's okay to feel like you've got nothing left. I mean, when you've got nothing left, you've given it all, right? But it, it, and, and if that opinion of yourself is based on someone else's opinion or someone else's words, that's where I would really try to, you know, eliminate that language or those thoughts about what people think of you. Because often someone's view of you, that doesn't matter. It's really your own view. So if you share that view that that person says you're worthless, you're ugly, you're no good, and you believe that, well, that's the challenge right there. It's really doing the work to say, how can you like what what are your strengths what what are you capable of you know and and even if you can't be anything but grateful that you can breathe that you have vision that you can hear like the littlest things you've got you know 10 fingers and 10 toes like <laughs> some people don't have that 
Like some people do not have 10 fingers and 10 toes. Right, arms back to basics. Yeah, okay. basic, basic stuff. So it, it really requires uh, to be in the spirit of gratitude and ask, what can I be grateful for right now? I love that advice. And and everything you're saying is really resonating with me. I had some tr- a couple years ago, some heavy traumas all in like a very short amount of time. And I took, and I did too. It, kids go to school. I was in bed watching TV. Kids came home. I made the, you know, I was just, I was only up and around when people could see me. And if somebody was to look at me or to talk to me, they think I was fine because like you, I'm going to put myself with you. We're very strong women and we're middle children, you know, yeah. who are strong. And I think yeah. it's really hard for, I know it's hard for me. And it sounds like for you too, to, before you can get to that place to say, Hey guys, I need help or to ask, even just asking for help. Or acknowledging that like, hey, you're not okay. You need to go find yeah. somebody who can help you be okay is really, really hard. What One thing about being a strong woman and labeling ourselves as strong women is we can often not allow for the grace to be vulnerable, the, uh, you know, uh, to drop the ego, to ask for help to be worried about what other people think. Like I have never been more clear on my lacking and my shortcomings during this pandemic. I've never been clear about my (laughs) strengths. Like I've never been clear equally about what I'm really good at. Like I know what I'm really good at. I know what I'm really bad at. Like they're, they're both in my face every day. And so some days, I am hanging on by the thinnest thread. That's not the day you want to talk to me. Today's <laughs> not the day. I'm I'm good. But right. there are times where I'm I might be on a podcast. This is what one of the things about my resiliency is I'm a I'm a great actor. In the I'm not a really an actor, but yep. when push comes to shove, if I need to perform and and that performance is going to help others that's where I really draw my strength from is just to be like being depressed is almost a selfish behavior to a degree being because nobody, nobody, you're not benefiting anybody in that state. Right. Uh, And, and I'm not meaning that for those who can't control it. Right. Like I said, somebody asked me the other day, what's the best advice you can give to somebody going through a breakup. And in any situation, if you can time like really be conscious of the amount of time you're going to allow yourself to mope, mm-hmm. to agree, yep. to have a bad attitude, like give yourself that time and say, I'm going to, I'm going to need 15 minutes to feel pissed off, or I'm going to get 15 minutes to do nothing, eat these baggage. I don't know what you want to do, right? Whatever so, it is, yeah, whatever right. it is. So just give yourself that time and then just stick with it, right? Like you've had your time, move on to the next thing. Something my partner recently adopted is rather than, and this was a conscious effort, let's say I uh, upset him. His normal reaction to an upset would be to match that upset with an equally forced upset or even worse upset. But what he's done is if I'm upset at him or there's an upset, he does something 10 times positive. So I get if I get mad at him for something, he goes and he cleans my closet or he'll go and he'll do something (laughs) ridiculously, something that I he knows I'm going to be like, I can't get mad at. 
Right. Like literally this happened the other day. I was upset about something and I think he did all the laundry, folded it, put it away. And he's like, I told you, you get upset. I'm going to do something in kind, like super opposite of that. Like just positive against my negative behavior. I, I love that he did that. That's so amazing. Is that his love language also? Like is doing part of his love no. language? His oh. love language is words of affirmation. My love language is acts of service. So he's speaking to my love language when I'm upset. Isn't that brilliant? Yes. I think that's so brilliant. And he's he's angry doing it, Beth. It's not like he's happy to do it. But that's his response. Oh, yeah? Watch me cook you dinner right now. Like, I just like, it's so great. Well, he knows how to handle you now. It's been a while. You know yeah, how to diffuse it exactly. and to make it work for you. I, ha I have to say, though. That is the quickest way to diffuse my anger. Yeah. He's not meeting me. I'm at level 100, okay? I, I'm an I'm a all or nothing kind of girl. I, I'm explosively uh, happy and I can be explosively upset. So, so a little insight there. There is, I don't know, there's, uh, there's part, not that I say there's a little spicy in me. Uh, there's part Latin in my like, roots. <laughs> your lineage. Yeah, like, what sign lineage are you? Are you a Gemini? Are you a Sagittarius? I'm an like, Aries. I'm oh, an Aries. makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm an Aries. And so, and he's a Sag, he's actually a Scorp a Sagittarius, November 26th. I think he's Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so when he does that for me, I like, I can't get upset about it. It's the, it's so brilliant. It it's actually so is so freaking brilliant. Yeah. I really, I really love that he does that. My husband's is also it's act of service and mine's affirmation. So we have, we have the opposite. So, when, but when I'm yeah. upset, he definitely does the laundry also. Uh, but, you know, so talking about relationships, I'd love to get more into like your matchmaking, which I find so interesting, not only because I haven't dated in 22 years, but also because I love the celebrity matchmaker part of it because I'm always into celebrities and see what they're doing. But like, what's, what would you say your specialty is? Because matchmaking is, if someone's not really understanding what you do, can you explain it just a little bit? You know, I think the, the opportunity to really hear and listen for what somebody needs in a partner is important. And the idea as well that I will be extremely open and communicative if I feel like there's something standing in the way of this person's success. I, I'm okay with ha with having difficult conversations. And I'm I feel that I am able to resolve conflict in a way where we both feel like we got we were heard and that our feelings were addressed. It's not always that way when you're dealing with people and when it comes to matters of the heart, I have to say, Beth, people are quite fixed and quite rigid at times in who they think they should be with. And sometimes there isn't an alignment with who I want to recommend and who they accept. And, and I'm often perplexed when I put a match together uh, thinking this is a great match for all the right reasons. Uh, other words, Lifestyle is a match, attitude, values, goals, physicality. But 
they see a photo per, perhaps and nope, I don't feel chemistry. Or it usually boils down, it boils down to a picture, a physical parameter, the nose, the, the lips, the, the really? like they're all very- so surprising to me. Like we're not talking about kids, right? We're talking about adults. We are talking like about adults. 30, 40s, yeah. I'm assuming. 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I have a right. client, I have a CEO client in his 70s who is one of the pickiest people I've ever met on the planet who, <laughs> who has declined 90% of the people that I've matched him with because he's not attracted to a picture or it's just not working for him and I'm not him. So I mean, I can't be faulted for the fact that he doesn't like, you know, you know how there's many different types of apples. And to me, they're all apples, right? You bite into it. They might have a little bit of a flavor, but they're all apples. He wants, if it's a Royal Gala apple, like the perfect circumference and size, like it's right. gotta be that apple, right? And, wow. and I don't make apples. <laughs> like <laughs> I work with, people that come in many different shapes real people so real people so really I, I i'd like to focus on the things that truly matter attraction is undeniably an important aspect to romantic connection yeah it's undeniable and i really want to encourage people to give themselves the opportunity to challenge their own you know, um, judgment when it comes to uh, compatibility and chemistry, because I cannot fall in love with like a picture. There, there, right. just, there are so many things about a human being from body language to scent, to touch, aura, energy, a, a vocabulary, voice. There are so many things that impact that. Oh, so I yeah. think it's a real disservice in a real mist when someone says no before meeting because of a belief that they have about who they should be with. Right. The belief in who they think it is versus their wanting to be in a, in a healthy relationship is stronger. Correct. Well, yes, because, and then the other aspect of, well, I can wait now in with respect to my client who's in his seventies, that's very picky. Although uh, he is very picky, he gets that he is very picky. So well, it's, it's something he's aware <laughs> of. It's, the, the frustration would happen if somebody believes that they're not picky and they really are. And um, they're, what they've been doing is clearly not working. For example, I have been trying to quote unquote, lose weight, get fit, get in shape, whatever it is for during the pandemic. And until I literally made a decision to hire a trainer, to do what he says, whether I like it or not, and follow the program, I wasn't getting any results. You cannot get results. I, I wasn't getting results doing it my way because my way is I'll work all day and I won't exercise. Right. That That's doesn't work. Way. No, yeah, not, I'll work all day work. and I won't exercise, right? But for my my sanity, for my um, energy, for my happiness, 
I now have created a habit and pattern to crave physical interaction, exercise, like challenging myself. It took a long time to do that. And, and so, but I also found somebody that I could listen to that, that got me. I, and I work with so many different trainers, but my trainer right now is actually an old high school friend. I, he's known me since I was 14 years old. So, so, so there's he knows a, the real you. He, he knows, knows the real Carmel. Yeah, he knows That's me. That's awesome. Yeah. So if someone's listening, who's an ideal client? Like, or who? What's an ideal situation for someone to come find you? Because I know you work with elite single, elite singles. Yes, and, and uh, I love the motto that you have that I saw at that is like do things for more people, and I love that point of view from you. I, you know, I really gravitate towards single entrepreneurs and any, any profession, anyone who would describe themselves as a busy professional. And that's a very wide range, but because I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, there's a different lifestyle of an entrepreneur than there is somebody who works a nine to five. And that does not mean that I don't work with men and women who have a nine to five job, right? So the only qualification really is that you consider yourself a a busy professional. You are financially stable, emotionally stable. Uh, You believe you have have realistic expectations. And by emotional stability, I'll qualify that, Beth, because we all deal with things that you're at a point in your life where you can welcome an emotional connection, and you're ready to date. In, in fact, you're beyond ready to date. You're ready to enhance your life with a life partner because we go through stages. I'm not for you if you're on the verge of breakup. Now, I could coach you, difference, but we're talking about matchmaking. Matchmaking is right. at the point where you've done the work, you're clear on what you're looking for, you want connections, and now you're looking to meet someone on the same page. That's when we can work together. Okay. So th- that makes a lot of sense to me. So I wonder, what do you think of all of these married at first sight or the one that you get married without even seeing the other person? What do you think of all those reality shows, especially oh, wow. coming from a reality veteran? I'm so glad you asked that because one of my good friends, uh, his name is Paul Brunson. He's a matchmaker. He was just on Married at First Sight with another in the UK, Married at First Sight, the the UK version. It was the first time they employed professional matchmakers to match these people. So they have a 75% success rate from the matches that were matched by matchmakers. So do I believe in, you know, uh, being married at first sight to somebody who's not, um, you've never, ever met? No, I, I think that that's a crapshoot. I think it's 50-50, hit and miss. You know, can you try your best to, you know, match up those uh, personality traits? Because, because Beth, I have access to tests like instant chemistry, which is a DNA genetic compatibility test that I could have both couples take. <gasps> Use that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's called oh instant chemistry. Instant chemistry. You can do it with your husband. It's oh, a, I don't know if that's a good idea. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's not meant to say uh, you, know, no. you should break up, but it actually highlights for you the areas of potential conflict and the areas where you really are a match. 
biological compatibility, neurological compatibility, and uh, you know, chemical. I think it's bio, neuro, and emotional. So, so the psychological compatibility. That's fascinating. I have to look that up. Yeah. Wow. It is fascinating. I actually appeared on the Love Goals. It's an Oprah Winfrey show to 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 read the biochemistry and compatibility of this test to five celebrity couples that were in like relationship conflict. When I read their uh, compatibility scores, and all of which, by the way, were all seventy five percent or more, so they actually had a high degree of compatibility. They just ha- didn't understand each other. Why did somebody behave? this way they're actually genetically prone to worry or they're genetically prone to emotional stress whatever it is like these are all um in the genes we we actually can measure that so if we have things like that and we're taking real consideration into what both parties deem to be long-term relationship including where they live, their, their, their lifestyle, the impact to family. There are many of those ingredients. So I think it's viable that you can do that if you do that much work. Uh, do I think that shows in reality TV like look into all of that? I think they say, okay, attractive guy meets attractive <laughs> girl, same body height, looks good in a picture. Let's see what happens, right? So I looks- think, yeah, most of it, totally, right. yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's, great entertainment but i'd never advise somebody to get married to someone that they just met no i wouldn't either i did actually watch the married at first sight australia and they too have professionals and i i find it fascinating because i find relationships fascinating probably one of the reasons i've been following you for a long time i wanted to get into what you're doing next well i am working on a few television projects uh, that are yet to be discussed and disclosed, but I've casted for a few exciting new reality TV shows that I hope I'll be able to participate Yay. in and, and be involved in, in 2021. I recently launched a digital matchmaking school. So for anyone who's listening that you know might be interested in a, a career and helping people find love or becoming a dating coach or a matchmaker, I've launched matchmakingacademy.com. It is a digital school where you also get a year of mentorship with me to help you launch your love business. Um, And that's what I'm up to, uh, aside from managing my home with the kids and just trying (laughs) to put it all together. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I, I, you know, my first thought when you said that was like, maybe I should be a matchmaker next. I love all the stuff you're talking about. I really do. And it's, it's when you said earlier, I, I resonates a lot with me because as being first, I was a nutrition coach for a long time and now business and publicity, people tell me their stuff and I love it. And I find that I'm able to turn it around a mirror for them and really find solutions. Um, so I, I really connect it, with that. You know, I love, I love the stories. There are so many matchmakers that are former attorneys, former HR recruiters, former health professionals, mental wellness professionals, fitness professionals, consultants. Like they literally come from wide range. But as long as you feel like you've got this gift of connection, I think you'd be a wonderful matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> so all those listening that think they have the gifts of connection, check out Carmelia's new program. And you're on, oh, I know you're on all social media platforms at Carmelia Ray and your website is CarmeliaRay.com. Correct. Carmelia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your light with us today. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining me this week on Behind the Spotlight. Make sure to subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in the show, I'd love a rating on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about it, and that would help me out too. But if you like the show and you want to check out more, look me up at BethNightick.com. Plus now I'm offering private 90-minute intensive strategy sessions. You might want to get in on that too. Be sure to tune in next week for the next episode of Behind the Spotlight.